and to see someone else's need and have genuine compassion by the power of the Spirit and then offer our hands and our feet and our wisdom and our time is a miracle. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. We're not even out of the first chapter of Mark, and we've been, you know, sitting here for a couple of weeks, but we're starting to get a feel for Mark's cadence. He has this very special way of telling his story. Uh, it's, it's a rapid pace of fulfilled expectations and excitement, and it's just one thing after the other. As I was looking at this passage this week when I first started studying, I just noticed that the, those conjunctions and the way they roll, and if you, the English uh, analytical mind inside of you just picks up on it, and it kind of makes your heart beat fast when you go from one thing to the next, and immediately he left. Um, and immediately they told him about her, and he came and took her by the hand, and the whole city was gathered in the door, and he healed many who were sick, and he would not permit the demons to speak, and rising early in the morning, and Simon and those with him, and they found him, and they said to him, and he went. Uh, those are all verbatim, those are translated, that and is in there in the Greek every single time. Uh, it's a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation. So I was trying to think of a place in literature or a movie, and I thought of the Little Mermaid in this one scene, but I thought, well, maybe that won't preach as well. So I asked uh, the resident expert, 13-year-old in my house, hey, uh, do you have any ideas for a story? Can you remember any point in a book or a movie where, where somebody's just trying to tell a story and they're just gasping for air because the things are happening so fast? And he said, well, let me think about it. And that was on Tuesday. And so last night he comes wandering in the living room. He said, he said Dad, I've got it. Uh, he said, it's like in the, where the red fern grows. There's a story like that. And I was like, really? Okay, well, pray tell. And so he brings me the book, and he says right here. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share that with you just to kind of celebrate those points and these great stories where the events happen like this. So uh, they're, they're out on a hunting party. They're looking for the dogs, if you remember. There's a guy named Mr. Benson who's looking in another place, and they can't find him. And one guy says, well, he's searching further downriver than the rest of us, one fellow said. And maybe he didn't hear us shouting. And some of the men climbed out of the gully, and they started whooping. That's not like for you Aggies, whooping. That's not what that means. That's just they started hollering, okay? Um, and so uh, from a distance, we heard an answering shout. He hears us, someone said, he's coming. And everyone looked relieved. And Mr. Benson struck the washout a little way above us. He was breathing hard as if he'd been running. He started talking as soon as he was within hearing dif- distance. It scared me when I first saw them. He said, I didn't know what they were. They looked like white ghosts. I've never seen anything like it. And a hunter grabbed Mr. Benson by the shoulder and shaking him and said, get a hold of yourself, man. What are you talking about? Mr. Benson took a deep breath to control himself, and he started again in a much calmer voice. All right, so this is a familiar thing. We hear this in storytelling. And I suggest that Mark is, is, has a little bit of a style that, that causes us to go at that pace because the good news is so great. And that's how Mark starts out, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's so much you can't contain it, and it's natural to just get like that. So, but in order to understand what Mark's saying and what Jesus is up to, it helps to slow down. Helps to slow down, just kind of 
pull back the reins a little bit and say, okay, hang on, man, say that all again, but in English, you know, slow, tell me again in plain, in plain English so I can hear what you're saying. So things are exciting and the pace is steady, but Jesus is not in a hurry. You know, Jesus never wastes time and yet he's not in a hurry. So we're going to slow down together and hear a few of these details from today's text. The time marker that we get, so we know kind of what day it is and what's going on, is it's the same day as the last story. Remember, they were, he went in the synagogue and began his ministry by uh, casting out demons, the unclean spirits, and showing that he was Lord over even that stuff that people were afraid of. And so Jesus is moving on, well, the same day, uh, the synagogue day, and they leave the synagogue and they go to a different place. Now, the location that Mark tells us is Andrew and Peter's house. I remember Andrew and Peter are some of the newly called disciples. They were fishermen, and now they're following Jesus for a while, so they're, they're checking that out. So they're following Jesus to the synagogue. They watch him do all this ministry and this teaching, and everybody's astonished. And people, the word's spreading like wildfire throughout the countryside. And uh, <laughs> the place that Jesus leads Peter and Andrew and presumably the other disciples that were with them is back to Peter's house. So it's like, great, we're going on this big adventure, and we're out of here, and we're going to the synagogue, and who knows where, we're going to go to great places, and eventually Peter would. But it's like, okay, next, it's after church, let's go back to your house, Peter. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, Super Bowl Sunday or whatever the occasion, they're going back to Peter's house. So you got a party to get ready for, you're going in, and uh, so they go back to, P to uh, Peter's house, and the detail we get, we don't hear anything about the house, or how many people were there, or what the weather was like or what the entertainment was, or what they were eating. We don't learn anything about what happens except that Peter's mother-in-law was sick. So I'll skip all the mother-in-law jokes and just say, you know, she was sick, and she was pretty sick, and we know she was pretty sick. Do we know why she was pretty sick? Do we, you know, why we know she was pretty sick? Because she doesn't exercise the common courtesy of hospitality that would have been expected of her house if there was a special guest. So you know, Jesus is coming over, or any guest, your friends, your kids' friends, or whoever's coming, you're, you, there are certain cultural hospitality expectations, and Peter's mother-in-law does not participate in those, and so we know something's wrong, and uh, presumably she wasn't, she didn't go to synagogue, you know, so some things are going on, and she's sick, she's really sick, and so Jesus, we learn about that, Mark tells us the story, and uh, you know how you get when a guest comes over and everything's happening and everything's running around and, and the first pre people walk through the door and they say, hey, great to see y'all and it's all going out and, and your guests notice, right? They notice, hey, great to see everybody. Where's Peter's mother-in-law? You know, and you can just think about all the times you've had people over and you have to explain why someone's not there. Or you show up to a party and it's like, oh, well, yeah, my spouse is not with me today or my kids aren't with me today because, well, it's a long story. Let me tell you what's going on. So it's, it's like if you want to know what's really going on in your house, you think about like the, the acute needs. It's like if someone came over, what would you have to explain to them? And that usually gets pretty close to some of the things that we're dealing with on a daily basis. So Peter's mother-in-law is sick. There they are. And it's incredible, you know, the action that happens next. Uh, the disciples, they go, the first thing they do is they tell Jesus about it. They say, hey, Jesus, you know, we just saw you have authority over even the unclean spirits, and we're back in Peter's house now, and guess what? Uh, his mother-in-law is really sick, and wonder if you could do anything about that. And so Jesus uh, takes action, and it's, again, it's not only the fact that what Jesus does, 
that's astonishing and beautiful, but it's how Jesus goes about it. You know, just notice what he does. You can imagine the scene. You know, he comes in the house, he sees the sick mother-in-law, and Mark tells us he came to her, he took her by the hand, and he lifted her up. Jesus doesn't say anything. He just he takes her by the hand, and it's that presence of God that just gives you the security that when you're sick, you're having a hard time, you know that you're not alone, that it's going to be okay. And Jesus lifted her up. This is the same word that later Mark will use to describe the resurrection of Jesus. It's this foreshadowing of the lifting up that happens in the presence of God. And so Jesus lifts her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve. She, she begins to serve. Now, now she's back in her element. She can do what she wants to do when there's guests in the house, and she begins to serve. There is such an emphasis in the Gospels. And, you know, I remember uh, the first time I heard the story in Luke where he tells a story of the guy who's called by Jesus, and he says, well, hang on, let me go tend to this or tend to that before I come and follow you. And Jesus says, hey, no, it's time to go. The one who puts his plow his hand to the plow, and he looks back over his shoulder. He's not fit for the kingdom of God. And I remember like in my college years, that was just like, okay, I got to leave home. I got to leave home. I got to leave mom and dad's. Now I got to leave Lubbock. I got I to go out. I got to go, go, go. I got to do, I got to get away from everything that's familiar because that's what it means to follow Jesus. And I was going through that phase. And so, of course, it's helpful to differentiate from your family of origin and all that stuff. But even in the Gospels, I mean, Jesus is constantly telling us, hey, if you love even your your kids and your parents and your family of origin, if you love them more than me, then you're not fit for the kingdom of God. You can't inordinately attach yourselves to even the gifts that I've given you in the people of your family. Uh, the kingdom of God is includes your family, but it's greater than that. And so we see that throughout the Gospels that we're supposed to be willing to leave even our families to follow Jesus uh, if, if needed. So it's fascinating to me that in this story, the first rattle out of the box the healing ministry is underway. The, the unclean spirit casting out preaching ministry is underway. And the very next place that they go from the synagogue is back to Peter's house. It's like, okay, let's go home, Peter. Let's go see how things are doing on the home front. Fascinating. So Jesus leads the disciples home. At least Peter and Andrew leads them home. And it occurs to me that Jesus loves us enough to lead us home when necessary, as a part of our calling. Because we all know that sometimes the hardest place to follow Jesus is precisely at home. And sometimes we leave home to serve and do ministry other places because it's easier to do ministry somewhere else. Everybody that doesn't know my whole story and all the baggage that comes with me, sometimes going back to your house is the hardest place to follow Jesus and to be in ministry. So that's what's happening here. And don't you love the disciples' response? I mean, they, this is the model response for how we deal with difficult things in our life. They tell Jesus about their most basic, obvious need at home. All right? They didn't say, hey, Jesus, we have questions about, you know, later when we're following you and we're out, you know, taking on the demons the next time. Uh, how that's, you know, do you want me to stand over here? Was I okay back where I was? Was I praying the right way? I mean, how was the, it was, hey, what's going on right now in my home and Jesus uh, hey, Peter's mother-in-law, she's sick. So I wonder what is your most basic prayer request today that's related to home? 
What is my most basic prayer request today that's related to home? If Jesus walked into your house, what would you call attention to? What situation would you point him towards? What thing would you invite him to behold and to pay attention to and to place his healing hands on? This scene reminds me of the teaching of the Lord's Prayer, you know, daily bread. We have to be careful in the church, I think we've been following Jesus for a while, that we have to be careful that we don't over-spiritualize prayer. Anybody with me? We have to be careful that we don't get to this point where we think, oh, that's just a small thing, you know, that's just a small need, that's just a small little thing, that's just lunch. I don't need to pray about that because, you know, Jesus has bigger fish to fry. Uh, we have, God has other things to do besides worry about, you know, how I'm going to get through the rest of the day at work because I'm frustrated. What are those basic needs, though? And the Lord's Prayer reminds us these are, these are part of our daily bread. We shouldn't shy away from praying for those. Uh, certainly, of course, there's a danger of only praying for things that are right in front of our face. And we've been there. We understand the, the pitfalls that go with that. But we certainly can't skip over what is right in front of our face. So it's another invitation to bring our actual lives, our real lives, our genuine lives to Jesus when we come to him in prayer. Uh, because Jesus is all about the real life anyways, the ordinary life, the messy life, uh, what you're going to have to feed the kids for dinner and how you're going to have to check on your mom later and all that stuff. Jesus cares very much about that. Jesus loves us enough to lead us home when necessary as a part of our calling. And then in this great turn of events, you know, uh, Peter's mother-in-law is up now, and she's up in Adam, and she's healing, she's serving. Uh, she's a part of the minute, that word actually that's used to describe her serving them is the word where we get the word deacon. So it's uh, diakonos, and it's like, it's like uh, this is where we get when we see like a church that has formal deacons or whatever. That's where this comes from. Uh, this word deacon uh, that we translate, uh, deacon means to serve. And so she's serving and uh, in, in her home that she's a part of, because she's a part of Peter's family now, uh, it becomes this ministry outpost. And so not only has she been healed, and now she's on her feet, and she's serving or whatever, but now they start dragging people from all over, right? So it's, it's been a long day already. We had synagogue, we had the unclean spirit, we had all the stuff. Now we go home, maybe we have lunch, I don't know what's going on. We heal mother-in-law, and now people just start showing up like later in the day, right? It's getting, getting late. You'd think it's time to start winding down and put your feet up, but all these people start showing up. And a uh, small fish, fishing village, people find out there's some buzz in town. They start walking over, and pretty soon the whole town's there, and they want to know, is this a real deal? Can we bring our needs and requests and our family problems? Can we bring those to Jesus? Will this work for us too? And so they do. They bring all who are sick or oppressed by demons. What a scene. I mean, I wonder if my house is cut out for this sort of thing. I wonder if our houses are cut out for this kind of ministry, to be outposts like this. As we experience the salvation and the healing of Jesus, are we availing ourselves in this way that when people are in need, they're able to come to these places and find the presence of Jesus? And so Jesus healed them or he cured them or however you want to translate it, uh, the word here is therapuo. It's, it's the word where we get our word therapy. Jesus uh, performed therapy 
for all these people. He healed them in the various ways that you heal someone. And I love that word. I love the word therapy here because it reminds us that healing is broader than just, okay, in Christian terms, uh, we're just going to lay our hands on you and we're, and we're going to pray for you and Jesus is either going to heal you on the spot and we're going to put it on TV and it's going to all be crazy and fun and we're going to write home about it or we don't really know what's going to happen but we're going to pray anyways because we're commanded to I'm trying to capture the complexity of praying for healing here. Uh, just to let you know, this is a hard thing. Every time we read stories of healing, I think we have this internal objection. It's like, okay, yeah, but I've never placed my hands on someone and prayed for them and watched them just stand up and walk. Uh, there are people who testify that they have uh, and whatever road that takes us down. But whatever we see and say here, we know that praying for healing is important. We know that telling Jesus about the stuff is important. But we also know that healing is more broad than just, I place my hands on you and Jesus does something that we can't see that's instantaneous. Maybe the way that Jesus brings healing is over time. Maybe he brings healing through somebody like a physical therapist. I remember one time the worst back pain I've ever had in my life. I couldn't walk. At seminary, I'd been sitting for, you know, like 12 hours straight writing a paper. And I, I got up the next day, I couldn't walk. And Amber still laughs to make fun of me. I was crawling around the house. My back hurts so bad. She's, she's trying not to bust out laughing now. It was a pitiful scene. Never had that kind of experience before. Well, one of my friends at seminary was a physical therapist. And so after I was finally stubborn enough, not stubborn enough to go see him, he kind of showed me some stretches and did some stuff. And it didn't happen instantly, but over time, it, it worked. I was like, okay, I see. And I still do those stretches today uh, when I have lower back pain. So, you know, he healed me over time, and I think Jesus was a part of that, and people prayed for me, and it was great. But so healing happens in a myriad of ways. Uh, I have a, a friend, one of you in this congregation, who we were talking this week about a mutual friend who's going through a really hard time. And he said, I just, I just sometimes don't know what to do. I mean, it's, it's, this thing seems so huge and insurmountable, and, and I want to help him. I want to pray for him. I want to tell him the right stuff, and sometimes all I can do is just be there. And I, in that moment, I thought, I can't think of anything better for that guy than for you to be there because that is part of the presence of healing. That's part of how Jesus heals us is by the presence of one another. That's the presence of Jesus healing therapy or whatever we want to call it today. God with us in the presence of the Holy Spirit miraculously and in the presence of one another also miraculously. What it takes to get someone like me or like you, to look past our own stuff and to see someone else's need and have genuine compassion by the power of the Spirit and then offer our hands and our feet and our wisdom and our time is a miracle. It's an everyday miracle. It really is. And we see it happen all the time. Thanks be to God. We're praying for these needs at home, whatever they are. We're praying for them in the name of Jesus. We're asking other people to pray with us. And we're inviting the proper presence of God in whatever form that might look like, whoever can be with us in this time to help bring healing. Jesus loves us enough to lead us home when necessary as a part of our calling. And the story kind of rounds out with Jesus. Uh, he, he rises early in the morning he departs, and he goes away to a desolate place. This is kind of how the story wraps up. 
uh, and Jesus spends time praying. You know, he wakes up before the sun. He goes and greets the sun. It's in the, in the tradition of all the great psalms. It would say something like, awake my soul. You know, awake harp and lyre. And you'll hear David say, I will awaken the dawn. I will not wait for the sun to wake up today. I'm going to go wake up the day by praising God. And that's what Jesus does. He goes out early and he spends time praying. And, uh, of course, the disciples are all in a fit. And it's like, it's like when you, you can't find your kid and you know they're out playing somewhere. And they're just running around the neighborhood. And it's like, where have you been? I've been looking all over for you. And they're like, I was just over playing at Johnny's house. You know, I was just, uh, just out in the backyard having a good time. And Jesus is like, where would you think I'd be? I'm here. And Peter's like, people have been looking for you everywhere. And he's like, well, it was early. And I came to pray. So here I am. And Peter's trying to get him to go back. He's like, man, we got this ministry outpost back at my house. And you're gone. And Jesus says, isn't that great, Peter? But guess what? We brought peace and healing to that house, and now there's other houses. Or there's some other houses out there, and i got to go there too. That's why I came. And so they take off, and they hit synagogue after synagogue after synagogue, and they find places where they need to bring that healing, that presence, the power of God in the person of Jesus. Bringing wellness and peace from one synagogue to the next, one house to the next, and Jesus visits us today. He visits our place of worship. He walks in here this morning with healing, with therapy on his mind. And that is something for us to rejoice in. You keep in mind in your heart that acute need that you thought of earlier. What is the thing in your family, in your close circle that you really want to ask for prayer for, that you really need Jesus' healing touch on? And remember that this morning as you pray as you witness Christ walking among us as we receive Holy Communion and experience the power of God. Hold that memory, hold that thought close, and let us rejoice together in this good news that Jesus comes to us. Amen.